Hello, and welcome back to A Little Spooky. This is a podcast about things that spook us just a little bit. Things like aliens, cryptids, conspiracies. Or when you're going for a swim at your local swimming pool, and you start to drown. <gasps> oh no. Lifeguard saves you, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. How thoughtful of her. You fall in love. Fast forward. Future. Years later. You're married to her. You have children, wonderful life. You're on your deathbed, but then you wake up. You were just passed out after you had drowned and been resuscitated. And you go into a deep depression for several years. Because your lifeguard was actually your large cousin Gary. No, there was never a lifeguard. It was all a dream. My name is Everett. And I'm Colleen. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that's a famous story that was i forget how long ago it was but that was an actual ex or a similar experience someone actually had yeah um i think it was pretty famous on reddit or something but like someone got into a fight or like got hit in the head or something and then like got together with the girl who helped him after being injured they had a family together and lived together for like 10 years but then he woke up after being passed out when he got hit in the head and it was all a dream. And he actually did go into a super deep yes, depression. Yes, I do remember yeah. reading something similar to that. And he was out for longer than just a couple of minutes, though. Like, but he, I think he woke up at the same place. Like there oh, were really? police Had and like, EMT and stuff. But Your brain is such a spooky place. The yeah. fact that you can live an entire lifetime in just a couple of minutes. It's just as scary as I I read somewhere that like you live half your perceived life by the time you're seven years old. Right. In terms of time. Yeah. Perception of time. Yeah. yeah. It's insane to me. It's we're almost, we're it's almost dead. We're almost dead. I'm not Practically. Even, I'm not even 30 yet. I'm almost dead. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Anyways. Well, yes. We're moving on to part two. Yes. Continuation. This is part two of the Cash Landrum UFO incident. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, you're going to want to go back and do that because this <laughs> probably won't make any sense well, otherwise. What was the name of the story again? Cash Landrum UFO incident. Sounds pretty cash money. Let's do it. <laughs> make that paper. <laughs> okay. So in the last episode, we discussed the actual ufo encounter itself and the immediate medical aftermath for the victims vicky and colby landrum and betty cash and we left off with a ufo enthusiast and scientist named john schusler getting involved in the investigation and hiring doctors who concluded that the victims were likely suffering from either radiation poisoning or some kind of mysterious chemical exposure sure yeah and at the time you and i were talking about how we thought it was weird that the doctors didn't immediately recognize radiation poisoning or at least didn't say they did like they said they did not right well we got an interesting message from one of our listeners doc astro he is working on completing his physics degree, and he works currently at NASA Goddard doing particle physics -y things. Something beyond our Something scope. important and science-y. And he says that due to the nature of, of the work and the work of his professors at school, they make very sure that the students can identify radiation poisoning. 
and they know the signs and the symptoms. And he wrote that Betty, Betty Cash, who is the one who got the worst The one that stood outside the car for like five minutes. Yep, she's the one who got the most sick. Um, She shows more signs of radiation poisoning than just the skin problems, the hair loss, and the vomiting. Right. Particularly of note is that she got better for a few days and was able to leave the hospital, left, and then a few days later just like plummeted and had to go back. Right? Yeah, so like feigning, getting better, but then kind of delving back into the... Yeah, not necessarily feigning. Like she was getting better, but then all of a sudden, boom, got worse for apparently no reason. Right. And she also eventually developed cataracts. This... I I didn't know that was connected to radiation. Yeah, I would have thought that was just a symptom of like staring at a extremely bright light for a significant period of time. But according to Doc Astro, radiation poisoning. Could be a little both, honestly, too, though. True. Apparently, these are super clear symptoms of severe radiation poisoning, and he's surprised that she survived at all. Um, And he also points out that, as much as it hurts me to say this... You, Everett. Me, Everett. Were correct in the last episode. What what claim did I make? I don't even remember. You had said that maybe the doctors didn't recognize this as radiation poisoning because we don't have that much information uh, about severe radiation not, poisoning. Not guinea pigs. Yeah. And I was like, there's tons of examples of radiation poisoning. Like, people study radiation all the time. Mm-hmm. But apparently, apparently you were correct because we do have a lot of information about people who have died of radiation poisoning. From from incidents and stuff. Yes, nuclear reactor tests, bombs killing a lot of people. So we know what it looks like when radiation is going to kill you. But we don't have enough information about people who have been that severely radiated and survived like the i guess the resistance or like like testing the resistance to radiation or like our limits to what we can be exposed to and survive right i guess i would have thought at this point in time there has been enough information about radiation that like we would know that but apparently not and I mean, I mean yeah, how like, can you ethically test that? Right, you can't. You cannot ethically subject people to dangerous levels of radiation. Like, we're not Joseph Mengele. This is America. We, If we're going to do things, we'd hide them. I would be surprised if there wasn't a Joseph Mengele-esque person working on experiments in America right Yeah, now. but he's not going to publish his results for the world to see. That's true. Yet, anyways. Anyways, that's where we left off. Thanks, Doc Astro, for your input, because we know nothing about radiation. Yeah, and thank you for affirming my bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, the interesting point is he kind of confirms the idea that it is likely radiation poisoning. Yeah. Um, I think that much is obvious. I think we have to pretty much... Well, yeah, but I mean, even if it wasn't radiation poisoning and it was chemical, a mysterious chemical, it would still be equally mysterious. Right, one similar uh, effects would be in play right but the fact that it's radiation kind of kind of leads you more towards like a space ship yeah or well or just deal not necessarily i mean whatever this craft was even if it was human made it could be running on nuclear power valid point yes 
Right. I, I, I just think it's safe to assume this is definitely a radiation incident. I agree with you. I do. I fully agree with you. But you might change your mind in a little bit. We'll get there. We'll see. So. We'll see. Anyways, that's the very, very short recap where we left off. And now let's talk about the investigation into the event. So there's a lot of information out there, like I said in the last episode. A lot. But like the last episode, most of my information is coming from the book written by the investigator, John Schusler. However, I only had access to probably a little more than two-thirds of the book. Why is that? So the listener who provided me with the book provided me with an online copy. Sure. That was only about two-thirds of the way complete. And I was like into it. I read the whole thing. And when I got to the cutoff point, I was like, well, I'm just going to buy the book uh, for myself. Why not? Right. You know, we want to finish it. I want to finish it. I want to know what happens. But um, you can't because it has become somewhat of like a collector's item. It's apparently no longer in print. The cheapest one I could find was on eBay or maybe Amazon for like 89 bucks. You're, you're telling me that there's not a PDF version or like an audio or not audio, um, like a Kindle version no. of the full book. Mm-mm. Not one that I could find. That's stupid. Yeah, it is, isn't it? But what's he hiding? I don't know, but I mean, like the the copies of these books go for like two hundred bucks on eBay. I we don't make money off this podcast, so well, not <laughs> not a significant amount. Yes. Well, let's just say if you are a Patreon supporter, thank you very much. Your contributions go towards like general upkeep of the website that's behind the scenes stuff we're not making a good income we should no say. we're not right i don't have 89 bucks to drop on this book so i got as much as i could from the book <laughs> and then i did as much research as i could outside of the book bunch of different articles interviews documents whatever i could but i still want you to know because i know somebody's gonna comment this on youtube i know this is a general overview it's a good story. Just listen to me tell the story and then decide if you want to keep going, okay? Okay. Okay. Sassy. Okay. <laughs> this story is wild. And I just want people to know that there's more to it than I'm able to tell you. That's what I'm trying to okay. say. Okay. I don't want you to think that I'm giving you every detail of the entire story because I can't. I mean, unless we made this like a several part series. Sure. So we've got victims who have had a very close encounter with what they believe to be a spaceship or government experimental craft. Right. right. Yes. They're suffering from apparent radiation poisoning. And even though they are sick and in Betty's case, like practically dying, they contact every conceivable agency, government agency they can think of to get more information and they're given the runaround the entire time. Now, remember, even in the immediate aftermath of this event, they're listening to the radio, they're watching TV, they're talking to people, because how could nobody else have seen this? They even saw 23 government helicopters flying past this craft. So clearly somebody saw it. Why isn't it in the news? Right, yeah. So that's suspicious to begin with. And now they're calling the Air Force, the police, 
politicians, their local government, they get a hold of their actual like state senators, then U.S. senators, um, the media and nothing. They get nothing from anybody. Just, you know, why don't you try calling NASA? Why don't you call this UFO number? Why don't you call these people? You know, nobody's able to give them answers. Right. Until one day they get a phone call that two FBI agents were going to be coming to take statements from them. Okay. Which seemed odd because nobody else was taking them seriously. So how did the FBI get involved? Like, How much time has passed since they learned about that? A couple weeks. Okay. So it's still yeah. pretty fresh. This whole investigation like, seems to take place within a year. Okay. Um, but just... A couple weeks ish. Yeah, maybe a, maybe a couple months okay. at most. Okay. But the FBI contacts them. They're like, we're gonna we're gonna be sending two FBI agents, so be on the lookout. Now this seemed weird to them because no one else was taking them seriously. So they call the FBI back to confirm that two agents actually will be coming to visit them, and they spoke to an agent McGee who said that she had absolutely no record of agents planning to visit them. She was like, it's possible, but it's very unlikely that the FBI would get involved in something like this at all. I mean, this isn't the X-Files, which isn't out at this time. But if it was out, she would have said, this isn't the X-Files. She advised them that if people claiming to be FBI agents did come visit them, to get their names, their phone numbers, their ID numbers, their car type, the license plates, any information about them possible. Don't take any chances. It's probably not actual FBI agents. Okay. And she turned out to be correct because no FBI agents actually ever showed up. Mm, so whoever was planning on coming got spooked or it was a prank. Yeah. Yes. I'm leaning more towards the prank, but I'm getting uh, Stardust Ranch vibes. Where, like, people say they're going to come and then never show up. And then say they're going to come and then never show up. Like and it's more of, like, a them. men in black type thing than a... Oh, okay. So you think it actually is something a little more sinister and not just someone trying to insert themselves into a potential interesting event. I'm going to guess it's more likely a prankster. But just the overall, like, UFO aspect of this makes me want to believe it was, like, in a men in black situation. Sure. But uh, it's more than likely. And they had the, the wherewithal to not come after they figured there was They're doing a follow-up. Yeah. Right. So since that FBI contact turned out to be a dead end, they were like, well, like, are we going crazy? What's going on? So they decide to undergo hypnosis in order to get any information or detail that they can remember that might lead them towards some clue of who to get a hold of. When you say they, is it both? Vicky the, and Betty. What, what? And Betty was the one that got really hurt. Betty was the one who was very ill, yes. I'm surprised she would want to relive the... She's determined to figure out how this happened to her and what it was. And I don't yes. blame her. I mean, if, if you are, if you believe that a, the government was involved in basically ruining your life, because she was no longer, she was never the same after the incident. Like she was in the hospital multiple times a year. She lost all her hair. She ended up getting breast cancer. Right. Like she was not doing well. Okay. So they, they undergo hypnosis to gather more information and 
while they're under, we've talked about this in the past. Hypnosis is clearly not like a foolproof thing. Right. And it all depends on who's hypnotizing you, who's asking the questions, and who's interpreting your answers. But it turns out that they essentially completely corroborate their original stories. The exact same. And they convinced the investigators and the hypnotists that they were reliving a real event. Sure. Okay. I mean, it'd be weird if, you know, their hypnotic recount would be different. I mean, the event happened so recently, it would be fresh in their minds. And they told people about it right after it happened. So it'd be weird if it differed, you know? Yeah, but if they had made up the story, then were put under hypnosis. And things were different. Sure, or they, maybe they had seen things and then didn't remember them. Right. But it, it, this kind of confirmed that they were remembering correctly what happened to them. Right. And they, they didn't weren't able to recall any additional details. Vicky, under hypnosis, even gave information that she believed it was a man-made object. That it was not like an alien spacecraft. She is under the firm belief that it was a terrestrial government-made secret machine sure okay she was very sure it's not something like a meteor and she was able to give better details about the u.s insignia on the helicopters that were chasing it in fact she was able to describe the helicopters so well that they were actually able to narrow down that only u.s military units operated helicopters of that kind in the area remember in the last episode i had mentioned that these were helicopters with two rotors right yeah and so they were able to actually narrow down the type of helicopter and that these are military helicopters civilians at least in this area do not own this kind of helicopter or at least if they do they're not registered there wouldn't be like 23 of them or whatever you said right exactly so after the hypnosis i mean nothing really happened it confirmed their stories but again, they're not really getting interest from any third parties willing to give information. So they decide to do the one thing that may either get them made fun of or taken more seriously. And that is... Contact Mufon. Nope. Oh. <laughs> because for you forget, John Schusler was a member of Mufon. Right. So he was already involved. Oh, okay. I forgot he was already involved. Right. Yes. They decided to do the one drastic thing of going on the television and telling their story. Sure. And that triggered something in the government because apparently after their TV segment aired, a congressional inquiry was started that forced the Pentagon to get involved to determine if military aircraft was actually used in the incident what what her was it just the local news they appeared on or um what was it? i'm not it wasn't the local news it was something like unsolved mysteries or something of some ilk. yeah okay. yeah something like that so the pentagon's investigation actually came back pretty quickly saying nope Nothing to see here. In fact, we don't, I mean, we don't even keep that kind of helicopter in this area. So, you gotta be mistaken. Yep. However, that kind of helicopter might have been used by the Army instead of the Air Force. So, you like, maybe try them instead. And the Army, after they called them, 
got a hold of Vicky and Betty and was like, yep, yep, we have a couple of those, but like, we don't even fly those on Monday nights. So, um, <laughs> couldn't have been us. We were playing bingo. Yeah. I mean, they, and they, we don't fly them on Mondays and we especially don't fly them on Monday nights. Yeah. Not bingo night. Well, and John Schusler was like, uh, that's not the truth. Cause you're, he was easily able to pull flight logs made by that kind of helicopter recorded in a log on the Monday, literally four days before they called to tell him that they didn't fly those on Mondays. So, like, he already had, like, flight logs in his hands that were like, that's uh, clearly not true. So someone's lying about something. Right, yeah. That's pretty obvious. Right. So Schusler requested flight plans, aviation records, aircraft records, but whoopsie. Looks like all those were destroyed. We'll keep looking into it, though. You know, we'll look at we'll try to find those for you. But it looks like somehow all those got destroyed. All those records gone. It was like so. some sort of big fire. Right? Yeah. Big uh, fiery explosion on the highway. And yeah, I don't know. We'll keep looking into it, though. But, uh, you know, just keep in mind, the U.S. military didn't have anything to do with those helicopters. You don't need flight plans or anything. Just trust us. So in 1982, which is a year after the incident, Lieutenant Colonel George Sarin of the Department of the Army Inspector General began a thorough, formal government investigation into the encounter. But again, he could not find any evidence of the helicopters that were spotted by the victims. He did, however, say Quote, Miss Landrum and Miss Cash were credible. There was no perception that anyone was trying to exaggerate the truth. End quote. Now, there's a lot more details about the locations of these kinds of helicopters across Texas and who flies them and where they were located and when. I don't want to get too far into it. It doesn't. The point is nobody will take responsibility for those helicopters. Right. And I mean, why would they like? Right. You know. Yeah. Why would you want to get involved? Right. So that's the helicopters. Basically a dead end. Nobody's going to take responsibility for them. It's pretty clear. Vicky and Betty and Colby all agree there were 23 of them that were hurting whatever this UFO was to a specific location. Such a specific number. I feel like if there were there were that many helicopters, how would you be able to count them in time before like, you know? Well, there weren't. I mean, they were able to watch them flying in. The helicopters weren't there from the beginning. It took them. Right. I mean, no, I know they were I, there for about 15 minutes before they showed up. It's just like that's a large number of helicopters. Like mm-hmm. I lose track trying to count them in the dark in the sky. Well, yes. OK, so. um I, I didn't m- mention this because it's just kind of a small detail, but Vicky originally saw 26. Um, Betty saw like 22. Colby was like, wait, no, there's two more over there. And then they came to the consensus that there were 23 as they were driving. So I guess 23 was their like agreed upon number. There were at least 23, but there could have been more give or take a couple yes so i guess i wouldn't take 23 as a hard and fast number but they all seemed to agree that there were above 20 helicopters there okay okay so that's the helicopters 
April 1981. So while the helicopters are still being investigated, five months after the incident, Vicky is at her home in Dayton, Texas with Colby mm -hmm. trying to get back to normal life as, as much as she can. And there's a fair going on in town. Now, remember, this is a small town. So it's kind of like one of those little county fairs. Um, technically, it was a fair put on by the future farmers of America. Yeehaw. Yes. One of the events of this fair was that a CH-47 helicopter was going to be landing there and offering tours so that kids could, like, walk through, sure. check out a real yeah, helicopter. Like they do with, like, fire engines. And exactly. And that happens all the time. Like, when I was in high school, I was... I wasn't in the hospital, but I was visiting family in the hospital and a nurse came in and was like, there's a helicopter. You guys want to go on it? And we were like, yeah, we do. Helicopter ride. But they were like, oh, no, no, no. You just get to see the inside. And we were like, um, we'll pa hard pass. What? Why? It's Why would you want to just see the inside? I mean, what would you rather do? Hang out in a hospital or check out the inside of a helicopter? Would I rather like watch cable? And, like, eat snacks? Or would I rather go to a confined space with, like, two chairs and a steering wheel? I mean, and then you can leave. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Anyways, they're offering tours of this helicopter. Now, CH-47s are precisely the helicopter that they determined to be present at the time of the UFO. Sure, yes. Event. So when she hears this is happening, Vicky calls a friend of hers who knows about the whole incident and she grabs Colby and she and her friend and Colby race over to this fair and they get in line to tour the helicopter. Right. Because they're like, well, this is our shot, basically, <laughs> to kind of like confirm, was this the helicopter we saw? I don't know. And they're they're grasping at straws at this point sure. to and get any information. And they it can. would be a fun thing to do to see the inside of a helicopter. <laughs> I would agree with you. But any time after this incident, Colby saw helicopters, airplanes, heard thunder, lightning, he would be thrown into massive panic attacks. Sure. I was just more so making fun of you. <laughs> So they had to do a lot of convincing to Colby, like, this is our shot. It'll be fine. Why do they even have to bring it? Because they two adults in line to, to see a helicopter. This was That's for the true. kids. Okay. That's true. <laughs> so they needed Colby. And when they get there, they get they get to the front of the line and Colby, like Vicky's elbow and Colby, like, pretend to be interested, ask for the driver's autograph. <laughs> Which is weird to me, but like maybe kids like uh, like pilot stuff. So, anyways, he gets an autograph. He gets the driver's name on a piece of paper. Sneaky, sneaky. And you know he's getting the autograph. He's like, "Hey, kid, you like helicopters?" And he's like, "Gee, yeah, they're great." And Vicky's standing there, and she's casually mentioning, "Like, whoof." December 29th, I saw a bunch of helicopters just like this one. Like, you know, what was up with that? <laughs> Very uh, smooth. And the pilot was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My platoon was actually called out that night by the Montgomery County Sheriff's Department. And not just us, a bunch of other units, too. Sometime around 9.15 p.m. that night. 
Um, <laughs> oh, yes, that thing you were looking for. It's exactly me. <laughs> yes. And, but he was saying it in kind of a braggy way. Like, yeah, we were there, you know, bunch us and a bunch of other units were called out to this mysterious thing at 915. So if we're, if we're to assume that this entire story is true, mm-hmm. as far at this point at least, I would imagine he would probably feel pretty braggy because yeah. whatever happened, he has to keep it a secret, right? Right. And but who's this he, lady? He's and, just at a county fair in right. a tiny and town. And if he has a chance to talk about it, but leaving the confidential stuff out, mm-hmm. like, why wouldn't he talk about that? Right? right. And that's exactly the vibe I got reading this book. Like, he was like, yep, yep, I was called out there sometime around 9.15 that night. And at this point, Colby pipes up and is like, oh, no, that is the night that the UFO hurt me. And the pilot was like, I'm not talking about this anymore. You know, like, he completely shut down. Oh, yeah. Stupid Colby. Yes. Well, he's seven. Give him a break. He shuts down and he looked like he said something he wasn't supposed to and was like, hey, there's people behind you. Uh, move on. Move along now. Yeah. At this point, Vicky realizes he's not going to say anything else. So she starts to guilt trip him. She's like, look, you know, she takes off her wig. She's like, I'm losing my hair. It's been five months. Since the event, we saw it. We saw your helicopters. We're still covered in blisters. Neither of us can stand in direct sunlight for very long because we have light sensitivity. Um, she's like, look at this young boy. Look what they did to him. I need as much information as you can give me. And he's like, I'm sorry, ma'am. I can't help you. Next. So they weren't able to get anything else. But the helicopter said U.S. Army on the side. Mm-hmm. And the guy's name was Willie R. Culberson. Culberson? Culberson or Culbertson. Okay. Either one. When he he name dropped the sheriff too. Mon- yep, the Montgomery County Sheriff's Department. He is there's confirmation that the insignia was Army, not Air Force. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but I imagine that pilots fly the same helicopters like you have your helicopter this is the helicopter you are assigned to so that helicopter would likely have been the one present on the night of december 31st most likely or like maybe a pilot switches between a couple different craft sure. like in their platoon but since so many craft showed up to that event mm-hmm. i imagine it had to have been one of them yeah sure so on this like chance encounter they did get some valuable information. They at least got a name of somebody who was there and confirmed that the insignia on the, on the side was U.S. Army. And who called them in. So now they're getting somewhere. So they call Culbertson within the next week. And they talk to him and they talk to his commanding officer because they're, they're desperate for information. Like, if you won't talk to us, we'll talk to the person above you. And Schusler is like... Hey, I hear there were a lot of helicopters involved in this incident on December 29th. Right. And Culbertson's like, yeah, yep. And Schusler's like, was there a UFO involved? And Culbertson's like, yeah. And Schusler said, were you there? And Culbertson was like, um, no, (laughs) no, no, we weren't involved. And we can't respond to calls from a sheriff's office anyways. We're the army. Since when do we take 
take calls from the sheriff. So it was kind of a dead end. He admitted that he was there and that there was a UFO, but then he kind of backtracked. Right. I mean, yeah, he's, he has to be sworn to secrecy in some manner, like right. whether it be threat of like being dishonorably discharged mm-hmm. or like maybe even more sinister threats like kill him or his family type stuff. Right. So then after that, they go above him. They got the army inspector general involved. And that man said, oh, Willie Culbertson, he didn't know what he was talking about when he was talking to you guys. You know, he's just confused. He's just one of those guys who talks, you know, he just likes to be involved in things. He was just telling stories. So inconclusive because they couldn't get any more information out of Willie. And obviously you go above him. They're not going to admit to anything either. No. So their next step. Contact the Montgomery Sheriff's Department to see if anyone made a call that night about a potential UFO. But wouldn't you know it, nobody who worked in the sheriff's office the night of December 29th worked there anymore. At all. None of the Even the sheriff? No, none of them worked there and none of the new employees even knew any of the old employees' names. At all. They were like, hey, why don't you call um, Carl Mung... Oh, man. Mangogna, Mangogna, Mang, Mangonia, Mangonia. Carl, why do you call this guy Carl, who was in charge of the police helicopter flights in the area on that night? I thought you were having a stroke. I don't know. Mangogna, Mangonia, Mangonia. Mongolia. <sighs> Anyways, they call him because he was in charge of police helicopter flights in the area on that night. But it turns out he doesn't, uh, he doesn't even work there anymore. He doesn't work there anymore either. So they contacted his new place of employment, but got no answer. Do you think they were put in like witness protection or do you think they were just like, just moved? Don't move on and don't say anything. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But when they couldn't get a hold of him, they called his new job. New job wouldn't answer. So they tracked down his father to get a hold of his number. And when they finally got a hold of this man, his statement was, I have no memory of the events on the night of December 29th, 1980. And he sends them to someone else who sends them to someone else who sends them to someone else and the investigation goes nowhere. Right. Hmm. So that's the helicopters that is like, and that was the main bulk of the investigation because that is the proof that the government was involved. You know? Well, yeah, and you can't investigate a UFO if you have nothing to go on. Exactly. It. So when they keep hitting these dead ends, they're lo- they look into other possible avenues. Maybe it was a hot air balloon. <laughs> and, I mean, it was spurting flames out the bottom, but it's the wrong shape, right? Remember, it was like a diamond shape. You can have a diamond balloon. <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> right. But, like. They got a, a Meowth balloon in Pokemon. I mean, okay, valid point, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Additionally, the route it was taking would have been difficult for a hot air balloon at the time. And well, when, it was stuck, though. True. <laughs> valid point. But when they looked into it, the weather that night was like not ideal for ballooning. Like, Again, it was stuck. It was stuck, yes. But like experienced ballooners would not have flown that night. So it's, it's possible, but unlikely that it was a hot air balloon. S- side note. Hot air balloon is the one mode of travel I would never go on. Why? People die all the time. I always yeah. see news stories of balloon, hot air balloon crashes. Yeah. I've s- 
Yeah. Why, why do people still do it? It's like I don't, it seems fun. It seems like a Ferris wheel, but high or let's put a giant balloon in the sky that has a giant fire spitting into it. How is it any worse than skydiving? Jumping out of a plane with only a thin parachute. Well, that's not a mode of travel. That's True. just a thing but to I don't do. Think, I don't think people are like, all right, we got to get to Boston. Let's hop a balloon. Like <laughs> You don't travel on a hot air balloon anymore. Not anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go on. Okay, so the airport that night also claimed there were no balloons flying in the area that night. And the fact that a balloon would be chased by helicopters is like moderately questionable. So, that, I mean, while it's possible, it's unlikely it was a hot air balloon. Also, yeah, that wouldn't explain the radiation either. Right. So the next thing that the investigators looked into was radar data. Just to see if there was anything spotted in the sky that night. Okay. So they contacted air traffic control to get radar data for the area that night. But, shucks, they only keep that information for 30 days. And they were past the 30-day mark. So I will say, though, that does make sense. Because that's a lot of data to keep. Yes. And especially in 1980s, early 80s, like... Yeah. yeah, they wouldn't be keeping Everything that for more than a month. Paper. Well, I suppose at this point, probably did have things on computers, but it would be tricky. And computers had like one gigabyte of data. Not even. A megabyte. So many bytes. Tons of bytes. Anyways, um, in addition, radar coverage was pretty spotty at that time for the height they believed that the craft was at. Because of that, a UFO could probably, or anything really, could have easily operated without official radar detection yeah just too, because how spotty was right so the government could easily plead ignorance of the existence of a ufo whether it was military russian or from outer space they could have easily been like well we didn't see it no radar i'm, I'm gonna say of those three potential options a russian aircraft seems the least likely why just a random small hoding, hodunk town in Texas. Just a Russian aircraft, experimental craft. Have you not seen Red Dawn? This oh, is the, the Cold War. The the biography of Red Dawn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anything could happen. So to wrap up the story in the investigation, Betty and Vicky were eventually told that they should hire a lawyer and seek compensation from the U.S. government for their injuries since they believed that government helicopters and agencies were involved and had knowledge of this hmm. and that it was likely a government experimental craft. Or if the government knew about UFOs and knew that there was one in the area, they should have been warning surrounding areas of potential danger. Okay. So did they do that? Yes, they sued the government for $20 million, and they even found an attorney who would take their case on for free. Yeah, and, that's a lot of publicity, I would imagine, for something like this. Mm -hmm. And there was a testimony, like, it was taken to trial. Like, it wasn't just immediately dismissed. There was testimony given by the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, Betty, Vicky. They all gave their individual stories but the judge eventually dismissed the, their case saying that they hadn't been able to prove that the helicopters were government helicopters and the military testified they don't have any diamond-shaped aircraft like that in their possession so it couldn't have been their fault yeah i was i was thinking like they couldn't best, find best yeah. option or be, best case scenario would have been if the military settled out of court 
because there's no way they could have won that case going against the the elite attorneys of the military. And also, they really don't have any proof other than their injuries. Yeah, the military would never have settled out of court. They didn't even have any kind of paperwork proving that the copters existed. Yeah, I guess my thought was, though, you know, that would be negative public opinion of bringing this to trial. And having to even entertain the notion that it's something they caused. But at the same time, we're talking about a UFO. I feel like most people would be like, these ladies are crazy. They're suing the government over a UFO. Yeah, but I mean, look at them. In terms of their illness? Yeah, their injuries. True. Something did it. Yes. And we will get to a couple theories in a minute. Okay. But there was no resolution. They basically stuck to their story. And continued to get sick every year yeah and and colby's doing i mean other than his distress physically you said i believe last episode that he's pretty much fine because he was he was had less exposure and also he was a young kid at the time yeah it seemed like the only problems he had were with he had some intestinal troubles and then um light sensitivity and the mental trauma. Right. But like he was able to get over the blistering. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. As far as I know. Yeah. You but know? he was also not involved like in terms of recording and releasing medical information. His was not nearly as open as yeah. Betty. He was a child at the time. Yeah. Right. So here's an interesting fact. Betty and Vicky were not the only ones to witness UFOs around that time and in that area. What the hell? That night, a maintenance engineer near Houston saw a UFO at treetop level that was the length of two football fields, and he was able to sit there and watch it for 30 minutes. What shape? Did not say. Okay. Near Dayton, Texas that night, a.k.a. the city this happened in, Bell McGee saw a huge light at 9 p.m. in the sky, which is... Basically, the exact time that this happened. So it could have been the same craft, and mm-hmm. it moved farther out of the city by nine fifteen, mm-hmm. or whenever it was the event happened. Right. Um, that same night, Angela and Doug Stanley were driving down the same road that the encounter happened on, and saw a huge light in the sky. That same night in Dayton, a man named Jerry McDonald was working on his yard around 9 p.m. when he saw a huge object in the sky rumbling about 200 feet up with a bright red light in the middle. Exactly what Colby saw when he first spotted the light or spotted the craft. Were these people, especially the local ones, called as like additional eyewitnesses? Mm -mm. He mentions that it had two jet propulsion engines and was the size of a football field. The next day, he experienced flu-like symptoms and was hospitalized a few weeks later for a related lung issue. He made a report that he thought the state of Texas Health Department should have been notified of the hazard at the time. Huh. I think it's funny that everyone in Texas measures distance by By football football fields. fields. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... Someone either dropped the ball in, like, trying to connect all of these, like, especially Mm -hmm. since he made that report or whatever, or it was purposefully buried. They all came up in John Schusler's investigation. No, sure. I'm just saying for the the trial. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that they testified in the trial. 
I I do think that some of these wor- stories were brought up, but I don't know that they actually were brought oh, in okay. as witnesses. So this, was this book finished before the trial? No, no, but the investigation was. Oh, okay. So what do you think? Credible? I mean, yeah. I, I would say it's a, like actually one of the most, if not the most credible UFO story I've ever heard, just because even though there's no like pictures or video evidence, like what else would cause intense radiation poisoning or sickness? Yeah. You know, and I think it's obvious that something happened. Yeah. You can't. I mean, this wasn't just like, oh, I saw a UFO and then it moved on. Like you could easily tell a story like that, fake an image like that. But like this is documented medical records. Yeah. And those two women. Well, maybe not Vicky, but Betty obviously died because of the complications and the other two suffered. So, yeah, definitely something happened. Mm -hmm. I'm leaning more towards. Military experimental craft than anything else. Yeah. I am as well. I don't necessarily think that extraterrestrials were involved, though. Possible. I I mean, maybe it's, you know, because we live in 2022 currently, but even in 1980, if UFOs like alien extraterrestrials are visiting Earth, it probably has something more advanced than just two jet propulsion. Yeah. You know, Whatever, and they probably wouldn't get stuck for half an hour, or however long it was. Yeah, exactly. And then it the military like a- guiding them away or, or following them away, like mm-hmm. that seems weird too. So yeah. it has to be military. Yes, I agree with you. I, I, yes. For that reason, I just think that a spacecraft would be a bit more advanced. If we're to assume aliens are real and exist outside of our solar system, maybe even galaxy. Their tech has to be so advanced to even get here if mm-hmm. they even bother coming to Earth. They're not going to have two jet propulsion. Yeah. They'd have something else. So, yeah, military, not Russia. This is American. <laughs> okay. So, there are some skeptics, as there always are. Here's some of their reasoning. So, maybe some of this will change your mind. Schusler did inspect the car that was involved in okay. the incident. Yeah. He inspected it in 1981. Within a few months of the incident occurring. Right. Um, He used a Geiger counter to look for radioactivity. Mm -hmm. Nothing showed up. Absolutely no radioactivity around or in the car. I guess I just don't know how long that would stick around. I I don't either. And I think it also depends on the type of radiation that hits the car, right? Because didn't we say that there was certain radiation that may not have penetrated the car? Right, depending on the wavelength of whatever is being emitted. And also, I suppose it would also depend on the type of metal the car is made out of, too. Sure. Like, maybe different, you know, minerals or different metals are more resistant towards different wavelengths than others. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can have, again, we have no... You yeah. know, formal training in radiation tech. Right. But yeah, it, it is a little weird. There is no trace. Yeah, I feel like that sort of thing counter. like hangs on for a while. Yeah. I mean, look at Chernobyl. Right. So some skeptics think that what Betty and Vicky witnessed was the star Canopus, which is the second brightest star in the night sky and was in line with the road that they were on that night. But I just feel like it is very clear that they did not see a star. And that star that's over, you know, probably a hundred light years away is what radiated them. In addition, 
Um, at that exact time in that location, th- that star would have been 26 degrees below the horizon. <laughs> so they wouldn't oh, yeah, have even okay. seen it. But I'm, I don't know. Other skeptics claim that they likely did see something, right? And that their stories, like they were traumatized by something, but the health problems and stuff they had weren't necessarily caused by it. And they may have just been using it as a way to get the Air Force or the government to pay for their medical bills. So if people are claiming that, what is the counter cause of the radiation poisoning well or whatever is ailing them they are it's very easy to find their medical records after this event right but the medical records of betty prior to the event are not easy to access and i don't know that she ever released them okay now we've had doctors confirm like this was what she was like before the event she won't release her medical records. Well, she's dead. Like, well, now yes, but even, <laughs> but even before. So, well, okay, but that would it make, just seems that like a explain, lot of work to get somebody to pay for your medical bills. Well, and it wouldn't explain why Vicky and Colby are experiencing symptoms too. I just I, like it just seems so stupid since, to say, oh, because she won't release her records that you know she's hiding something it's like obama not releasing his birth certificate it's yeah stupid. right a lot of people believe betty cash has munchausen syndrome and that the burns and stuff that were showing up on her body were clearly faked or like and that's why she won't release her medical records but again if you were to believe the book that john schusler wrote Nothing like that was ever brought up in his investigation of her health prior to the event. All of the doctors stated, like, yes, she had heart surgery, um, but otherwise she was the perfect picture of health. So I just these particular arguments to me aren't like they're very easily explained away. So I. Yeah, I I don't like that. I'm sure there are stronger ones out there. They were obviously caused harm. Yes. Like, I can't, you can't say they weren't. Right. Now, whether it was by the government, I, who's sure, to say? Yeah. They were unable to prove it and are unable to prove it to this day. But right. that's it. That's the Cash Landrum incident. Hmm. Lots, lots to think about here. It's baffling. Um, yeah, I guess. I. What else is there to be said? Because, like, there, we, there's no way of knowing, right? No. You can always theorize all day. But tell us what you think. Yeah. Let us know. Send us a DM. You can also, you know, join our Discord if you want to talk about it, too. Yeah, be awesome. Um, I came across a story I want to share, though. Yes, so. Completely unrelated. Tell me. Um, I'm going to even put in a little bit of a content warning here, too. Okay. Because it's a little bit uh, more, I don't know, I I don't want to say graphic, because it's not really graphic. It's just a little more controversial, I should say. All right. Um, Backstory here. So in 2020, there were these nine people that were charged with various crimes when they were basically causing trouble at a health clinic doing anti-abortion protesting. Okay. So they were causing distress for people either getting abortions or I I assumed it was out of Planned Parenthood. So maybe it was. Or some other religious. Sure. So maybe it was even just women getting 
other forms of contraceptive or something like sure, that. Sure, but they were harassing people outside of a women's health clinic. Yes, yes. And I think in some cases there is like threats involved. There, there's a lot involved with that case and it's still ongoing. Okay. Um, but the story that, and this this is developing today, so we don't have all the information yet. This is going to be, more, more and more information is going to be released in due time. But one of those people that was involved in that series of protests was the subject of an anonymous tip that reached police in Washington, D.C. recently. This anonymous tip said that this person by the name of, sorry, I had to find the name. Uh, her name is Lauren Handy. And she was one. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was one of the anti-abortion protesters, right? Okay. Um, they they basically raid her home, or at least they have a warrant to search the home. Why did they think she had like stolen something from her the, from these protests? The, no, the anonymous tip was that she was believed to have some sort of biohazard material present in her home. What? I don't know if the tip was more specific than that. Maybe they had an idea of what they were looking for. But either way, they wanted to respond to the tip, even if there, even if it was nothing, just to make sure, of course. See, okay, now. Of course, when it comes to political protesters, you know, these types of things could just be attacks, just like swatting. People do that that's swatting That's what I was just thinking. Like, I feel like if you would go, if someone was like, you've got a biohazard in your house, I'm calling the police. I don't, I mean, wouldn't you need more proof than that to get a warrant? They and, had to have had enough proof to get a warrant to raid her right, house. Exactly. So there must have a been judge, more to A it. judge had to sign off, of, sign off on it, which apparently one did. Um, so they did search the home. It was on the 400 block of 6th Street Southeast in D.C. And what was found was several aborted fetuses in the home of the anti-abortion protester or fanatic, whatever you want to say. What? No one knows why. What? Uh, but she was in possession of several fetuses. To do they were what with? I don't know. They were found in like some like coolers, basically. Like she was keeping them, so they weren't rotting or anything. I don't know if she was planning on using it in some sort of drastic form of protest or if there's something more malicious and dark going on. But like I said, this is still a, you know, a developing story. Uh, I assume there's going to be additional charges. I don't know what those charges would be, but you can't be in possession of this. Yeah. Where do you get them? No idea. Like you, you'd have to know. I assume they're not her own. Like, you know, oh, that would be a crazy twist if they were her own. I I'm gonna say probably not, but I mean, again, we don't have a lot not. of we don't have a lot of information yet. I just wanted to bring this to everyone's attention because That's something something weird is happening. Something's you know in the water. This was gonna be. I don't want to get too gross with like there was gonna be something gross at a protest planned with those. Yeah, like, were they going to throw them uh, yeah, at I someone just, or something? Yeah, that's... Either way, I'll be keeping an eye on the developing that's story. That's more than a little spooky. I, I don't even that's as, horrifying. I don't necessarily even want to know more details on why she had them. I just want to see what happens with the upcoming trial. 
Yeah, I like what? Something's gonna happen. See, and that's interesting because I, oh man, I I don't want to get too gross with this, but like they, she, they, <laughs> I guess it's at this point it's considered biohazardous material, right? It's not like it, it, if she had like say taken them from a freezer somewhere. That wouldn't be that would be like theft of a biohazardous material. It's not like she would be charged with murder. You know what I mean? Like, she, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, of course, we don't know enough yet, but I assume she didn't abort the babies herself. She probably stole these fetuses for some reason. We don't know. Yeah. Ugh. Um, God, just um, wow. But yeah, this is definitely something <laughs> creepy, weird going on. And of course. Vaguely political, so yeah. Just, no, we won't get into let's that. Let's not get into like, that. Um, this lady's obviously something's not normal. Yes, some of course right to free speech, but I think that's that not free this, speech. I know this crosses <laughs> the line a little bit. I think. Anyway, if you want to send us any stories you come across, or if you have a personal story you would like us to share on the podcast, you can send it our way. You can send it to Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or at NerdslothHQ. Or you can email us at podcasts at NerdSloth.com. I am going to be in your ears next week with a story that I have been... A long-awaited story. I have been waiting to share. I've been waiting for the right moment, and it feels right, right about now. So <laughs> next week, we're going to be talking about one of my most favorite stories ever. See you then. All right. Well, we love you. Bye. Bye. Presented by NerdSloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.